0: So what what we what we doing? Well I look, you come here week in, week out, every Wednesday. And you know the booker. Uh you bring in people. I've gone through half the crew with fucking bringers. I brought O'Brien last week. He's had a great time. He got everyone whiskey. But no, one of the bridge crew wants to come down. One who I will point out doesn't have a functioning understanding of the emotion of humour, right? Suddenly he's top villain. It's disgraceful. I've worked hard for a 10-minute spot. I've got some brilliant stuff about the fact they won't put a safety rail around the
1: warp core. Nah. Can't say anything these days, mate. <laughs> what you want to be doing is getting yourself on the right-wing comedy night down on 12 forward. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You can call, mate, you can call the Ferengis whatever you want. Because they don't they don't let anyone film it.
0: I could finally do that bit about
1: how I identify as a Klingon. Yeah. Uh, And that means I can lift more. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I identify as a Klingon bird of prey. Do it. Yeah. No
0: one's going to stop you. Who's who's booking that night? It's not Jensen, is it?
1: No, it's Troy. (laughs) She's uh, quite a dark horse. podcasts.
0: A Frontier. These are the voyages of Mark and Ellie. Our ongoing mission, to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Uh, Captain Slog, Star Date Twenty Eight. Uh, these are the continued voyages. I'm Eddie Edwards, as always. I'm joined by Mark
1: O'Neill. Mark, how you? How you been? Yeah, I've been, I'm good, man. Um, I've been playing a lot of Tom Clancy's The Division Two. Is that any good? Um, it's imagine, imagine it like a right-wing power fantasy <laughs> in the form of a game. Yeah, isn't the power fantasy just being a vaguely competent man? Uh, <laughs> I I play a woman on it.
0: Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, just because, um, and 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 that's not out of, uh, like a sense of of wokeness. Uh, other players tend to give you things. <laughs> <laughs> they think you're a woman, so <laughs> I do it because it makes the game easier, <laughs> and I don't I don't like challenges.
0: <laughs> I would imagine that the post-apocalypse is going to be just, just really the easiest of
1: times for women. Yeah, uh, it really is. It's honestly being a woman is playing life on easy mode. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're complaining about. Yeah, that, um, was,
0: that was very much the plot of Fury Road. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> no, I'm just saying they were
1: indoors and it was warm.
0: Don't, yeah. don't, they not give them water. Everybody else was fucking roughing it. Fucking
1: Jesus Christ! But it's, be a little bit grateful, lasses. It's, uh, like yeah, but I, I like I don't really particularly like the Tom Clancy games. The only reason I'm playing it is because I like post-apocalypse survival ish things, except for the I, again the Last of Us, which I don't particularly like. Um, and uh, the shooting mechanics are are quite fun. I quite like them, and I, I do like like a tactical based shooter. Um, but the story of it is bonkers, so. In the Division, basically, an environmental terrorist to which already I'm like, alright, let's see where this is going. <laughs> an environmental terrorist drops, like, a smallpox bomb on, or right. like, several smallpox bombs all over the world, right? In right. some vain attempt to cull the population or something. I'm not really sure. I'm not in it for the story, Eddie. If you can't <laughs> tell, but so he does this, and then and then we discover that the the US government has set up a program called the Division, right? Which it might as well just be called libertarianism, the dream, TM. Right? <laughs> Basically, it's a civilian militia force where you are. It's a secret civilian militia force where anyone can be a member as long as they have guns and some semblance of military training and they act as like sleeper agents and then one day the government will send out like a signal on your watch that says oh you've been called up, you are now it's time to go and kill some poor people because the thing is right when you it's play... It's like a modern day dad's army just, uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I guess so but but the the, the, the problem with it is there's no defined bad guy in it. No, the, well, no, there is a defined bad guy. That's The, 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 like the guy who set off the bombs is ostensibly yeah. the bad guy, right? But, but you're not going to kill him. He's long gone. Yeah, but the bad people that you shoot are just people who, after the US government wasn't able to avert a fucking smallpox bomb, are just like, maybe we should put our trust in ourselves and who like rise up against the government so it's like a, it's like a, a rough coalition of like gangs and civilian yeah. militias um and but you not they don't have any motivation other than they are poor it's essentially <laughs> a poor person murder simulator
0: yeah, it's you never hear people. The people who say keep politics out of video games never complain about the division. Which I think the the first division has a bit where it's like literally says, "Oh, the only survivors are people who owned guns because if you didn't own a gun, you'd die." Yeah. It's like that's not a political statement, and it's like like you got to keep politics out of video games. I'm fine with it being libertarian power fantasy, pro gun ownership. What I mean when I say keep uh, keep politics out of video games is gay people. Uh, I don't. And yeah. um, like, is, is it more political to have a gay a gay couple in a video game than it is to literally have the entire basis of your game be
1: libertarians are right, everyone else is wrong. So <laughs> if you search online, the 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 head of development at the of the the division two is specifically like we are taking politics out of video games like this is a completely apolitical video game right and the way that they (laughs) and the way that they show that in their libertarian wet dream poor people murder simulator is that one of the first main characters that you meet is a black disabled woman which is like wait a minute isn't (laughs) isn't isn't that what all the facebook comments are like oh why why, isn't this just box ticking like so it aren't like I mean, I'm I, I don't know what point I'm trying to get across here, but but you're trying to make it not political by taking what you think that we think politics is and inserting it into your fucking right wing fantasy game.
0: And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna throw this out there as like this. This might not be the most woke thing I've ever said, but I'm gonna throw this out there. If you are specifically making a uh, video game about the collapse of Western civilization. I think, and this might sound like you're a shit person it's actually fine to include as a plot point, oh all the disabled people died because we didn't have the infrastructure to support them and it's 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 shitty, but it's more realistic, and it also brings attention to a broader fucking point. Yeah, you know, exactly. if you're like, <laughs> so if you're in a wheelchair and you're suddenly in a society that doesn't think putting ramps in places is important, you're probably fucked.
1: Oh no, no, she has a prosthetic leg. No, she can't be the level of disabled where they have to like where it'd be a problem. deface yeah. classic buildings to put ramps in and things. <laughs> like it, it has to be the same type of disabled where, you know. My character in the game will she who doesn't have a voice. Uh, the only thing I presume she will say is, "Yeah, but it's only a prosthetic leg. Like you can still work." <laughs> Has to be like, like, she can't be blind. Do you know
0: what I mean? It's like you can. I'll, I'll do you do. You can you can push your shopping cart filled with survival supplies right up next to the supermarket that we're going to raid, <laughs> uh, and I'll I'll put mine slightly
1: further away. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's it's. It, it, it's weirdly socialist as well, because um, all all the all of the um, left-behind luggage and backpacks and suitcases that all of the people without guns were taking on their evacuations through the city before yeah. they were presumably gunned down by the United States government. Um, you're just <laughs> entitled to that. You can just take that stuff. Yeah. That's, no, that's the funny. loot system, isn't it?
0: I, I want a game like that to just go all out though like i want the loot system to be oh you've opened the suitcase here are the six useful items here is a child's diary yeah you can keep that if you want or you can throw it away and um, read it like just real heartbreaking shit like oh like, here's a picture of uh here's a picture of uh two two people getting married on like in central park oh isn't that lovely they're dead
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> oh and the currency in it is bitcoin are you? Are you? Are well, you it's joking? not. It's not Bitcoin per se, because I guess that's copyrighted. But, but it's it's e, it's e dollars or e coins or something. Not, but no politics in there, man. And, and, no and the, and the symbol of the currency is a B, which is because they're in America.
0: If you say we're removing our if, when we're removing politics from our video game, what you mean is we're removing the politics that you, what we assume the gamers find objectionable, which is anything that wouldn't be in either the manifesto of a white supremacist killer or a cover letter to work for Tucker Carlson,
1: which are basically the same thing. Yeah, (laughs) It's just that the manifesto's too long for him to read.
0: (laughs) They might as well have called the game Replacement Theory, for fuck's sake. It's... The, the, I don't yeah, know. No, uh, the uh, game.
1: No, the game. The game really goes out its way to like <laughs> not have anyone be a straight white man. Yeah, but that's like, not. Like to, which, that's which, not
0: addressing which, the issue, which is that you made a libertarian's wet dream into a fucking yeah. video game. Oh god, it's oh. so bizarre. It's. It's like how. Oh, so, have you seen the tool that Activision have made for like all of their making characters for their video games? Where it's got it's got sliders right. for diversity which okay might not sound might not sound bad to start with, but let me explain that means that, that you can have a character graded from a one to a five on ethnicity So let me ask you an important question Mark. what's what's a zero on ethnicity and what's a five? What did a group no. of people at Activision they've not given an answer to this but like because the people are like what's the most ethnic? Activision, (laughs) you slide it all the way up to that, and it's like, oh, you're half Inuit. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, my friend Jamie and I uh, once, once upon a time, uh, nearly scored ourselves a pitch uh, to Sony uh, to make a video game, and uh, we we ended up, unfortunately, it, it all kind of fell through. But the guy that got us that opportunity um, was uh, he. Oh, I don't. I don't want to dog, dog him in. Um, he what? He he was part of the South Park games. You know the two recent uh, South Park yeah. games. Um, yeah. And he said, "There's a there's a mechanic in the games in the South Park games that Trey and Matt specifically asked us to put in, um, and uh, no one really knows about it. Like no one seems to have figured it out yet." But if <laughs> there is no difficulty selection in South in South Park, the Stick of Truth, uh, but there actually is a hidden one. If you choose a black kid, the game is all <laughs> 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 Um <laughs> Oh man, I laughed at half for ages. He uh, was, it was <laughs> like, "Yeah, we were specifically asked to put that." In. That's really that's that's, genius. that's up there with.
0: I love stuff like that. Have you have you ever heard of like so do you know the thing about I think it's Fallout New Vegas or and Fallout Three? If you put your intelligence to zero, yeah. it's basically a different game. Yeah. Like <laughs> you can like um there's there's a bit where like you run across some like um uh, run across like a robot and it asks you for a password and if you don't give the right password it'll start shooting. Now if you've got like high enough science or intelligence you can like work out the password or hack the computer to get the password. But if you've got an intelligence of one, you can just shout ice cream, which by fluke happens to be the right password <laughs> 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 oh. excellent
1: oh. should we
0: talk about should we talk about Star Trek then yeah I I like this one I like this one it's got it's problems yeah um, but I liked it it's nice to have a fucking episode of Star Trek that um I assume this is how smart people feel like people who do things like science and stuff but uh, you get, we gotta watch an episode of Star Trek in which I could cons- consider myself a subject matter expert <laughs> 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 fucking stand up it's like yeah no I don't know about yeah. that it's like yeah like, 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 there's a lot of stuff in this like, there's a bit where there's a joke happens and Whoopi Goldberg's like oh it takes too long to explain why well, that's funny and I was like no it wouldn't <laughs> it's re- real easy to explain that that's a really simple basic joke Whoopi, and you should know that as a comedian uh,
1: <laughs> yeah i um I, I i really like that this has my new favorite Star trek character in it is it uh, is S- it a no it's stand-up Akala. comedian joe piscopo um <laughs> so the the plot of this episode is basically the enterprise picks up a top lad. And the whole way yeah. through, you're like, when is the penny going to drop? When are we going to learn why this guy is a terrible person? And I mean, he never is. He, no. He's a top lad literally till the very end of the episode.
0: Yeah, it, it, the, the episode is basically what would happen if the crew, it, it's basically somebody wrote down and went, what if the crew of the Enterprise ran into Han Solo? That is literally exactly what I said to Laura. Yeah. Oh, by but the way, sorry. Han Solo I, was played by the Rocketeer. <laughs>
1: it took me so long to figure out that's who it was. Cliff Secret. <laughs> um, so I I need to do a quick corrections corner.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, a few episodes ago, I implied that my lovely fiance Laura uh, picked up the ability to like figure out what an A plot and a B plot is um, in storytelling. Uh, through osmosis of being around me as I've talked about television shows and I just need to correct that and say she actually picked that up from the fact that she has a masters in musical (laughs) theatre and I'm just taking credit for what could be one of the most basic levels of storytelling
0: (laughs) stay one, you come in, they're like right, everybody put down your sun Tzu. Uh, <laughs> a and B plots. What do you think Sun Tzu had to say about A plots and B plots? Uh, if you master your A plot, your B plot will follow naturally. I don't know. Boom. I've, Done. Yeah. I've, I've I've read I've read Sun Tzu: The Art of War. Have just you? Just because I wanted it. I, it was one of those things where it's a it's actually quite a short book. You can read it in like an hour or two. Yeah. Because it's all. That like it's all little phrases and stuff like that, and I just wanted to have a look through. And t- so this is like, I wonder what cunts think is important. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's basically just saying, oh, you should make sure you know everything about an, a, an upcoming situation. As long as you've researched it thoroughly, you'll you'll probably do all right. Yeah, so that's yeah, so that's that's the entirety of
1: it. I went straight a book called The Art of Kung Fu, uh, which I bought <laughs> when I was about 15 when I was getting I don't know man is 15 like the appropriate age to become obsessed with Kung Fu and stuff like that and sort of Eastern about mysticism and shit yeah, yeah <laughs> right so, I, so I, I bought a book called The Art of Kung Fu thinking that it would tell me how to do Kung Fu and uh, it wasn't it was basically Sun Tzu The Art of War but written specifically about Kung Fu it was just the guy had re- I presume it was a guy who wrote it uh <laughs> It was just thinking like the guy had recontextualized everything that Sun Tzu says, but into it was like the the Dude D Ching. Oh yeah, uh, which I also have read, which is the 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 Dao the Dao D Ching, um, yeah. but told but paraphrased to be about the Big Lebowski. Yeah, which, which I is heartily a, recommend. It's actually a very it's a very relaxing book.
0: There's a really good book that's um, like it's um, Jeff Bridges like ha- uh, hung out with like a, a Zen Buddhist master like and he was like oh no, no the dude is like widely considered as like a zen icon and they like hung out and chatted for like a weekend and was like oh we should write a book yeah. and then they did and it's apparently really really good but I've only ever seen one interview where he talks about it and it was him on The Daily Show being interviewed by Jon Stewart and it was one of those <laughs> interviews where after afterwards like Jon Stewart like when he, before he did the moment of zen it was like brilliant interview absolutely enjoyed it no idea what he's talking about
1: <laughs> <laughs> um have you ever, do you know? I mean, obviously, you know who Stevie Nicks is, right? From Fleetwood Man. Yeah. So, yeah. St- Stevie Nicks, quite famously, was fairly adverse to the public eye. Like, she didn't really do a lot of interviews and stuff. Um, and she didn't, she didn't particularly love her photograph getting out there. And so, after she left the band, uh, she didn't really do much until her friend and I believe neighbor uh, was writing a book about karate. And needed a model to do the karate moves for the photographs. So he, Stevie was like, "Yeah, I'll do." it And she doesn't get dressed up in like karate gear. No, she goes full Stevie Nicks, <laughs> like big eight-inch platforms and like like combed back hair and stuff, um, just performing Vulcan nerve pinches. On, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I didn't. I, I've never. I don't know much karate. I was too busy reading at Sun Tzu in the form of kung fu. <laughs>
0: I need to fucking track that down. That's fucking great. Um, yeah, that's great. Book. Um, I want to I want to discuss a particular highlight from this episode. Go on. I think people if we don't mention it, people will question us. Oh, I know exactly uh, who it was. Yeah, eighties Terry Hatcher. Jesus Christ. Aye. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did this you is, know? It's another level. Uh, it's oh, ridiculous.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mad. Yeah. What? What? What else is there to say? If you haven't seen 1988 Terry Hatcher, go and watch it. She. She's near the start of this episode. And for a nerd like me, if you'd said to me what would be your perfect
0: version of 90s, of 80s and 90s Terry Hatcher, my response would be: I mean, it's unlikely you've got a picture of a Star Trek uniform. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Because when 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 um because at the start of the episode it, it, it like it pings over to uh, I think I think Picard I think we meet O'Connor and then Picard says Transporter Chief and then a woman's voice comes on the other corner, and I'm like and I was like, on, oh, oh
0: fuck this noise yeah
1: was O'Brien um, yeah. and it turns out hey good replacement did you know she specifically asked for her name to be taken off the credits because they cut most of her filmed scenes oh okay
0: that's a shame that's a real shame yeah Uh, (laughs) very much so Uh, are you are you suggesting that this episode of Star Trek where a handsome rogue comes on and bangs his way through half the crew wasn't the most uh, (laughs) the most forefront uh, equal doing the best for women's equality an episode in which Dr. Polanski the only main female member of the cast
1: does not appear (laughs) (laughs) try appears
0: Oh yeah, Troy has two lines.
1: Uh, oh, it, we, as, lines. by the way, as soon as uh, Billy Campbell uh, as uh, O'Connor shows yeah. up on screen, Troy looks like she needs to put a towel under where she's sitting. Like, <laughs> I the 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 my favourite
0: bit of his character is when he arrives on the Enterprise to start with, and he goes and starts flirting with Terry Hatcher, and in the background. Riker, of all people, like rolls his eyes. Like, there's a lot throughout <laughs> this episode of like Riker, Riker being like, he's a bit of a rogue, a bit of a, a cad bounding, and it's like, he's you, he's you Riker. Yeah. He's you, but with his own ship. <laughs> he's you if you
1: hadn't joined Starfleet. And I, yeah, I really, I really like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's a really clever idea. Uh, but did you know that there is another level to that? Okay. Based on the Continue. casting. So, Billy Campbell. A.K.A. Cliff Seacrest, A.K.A. the Rocketeer, A.K.A. Captain O'Connor, was a candidate for the role of Riker, but Rick Berman said that he is uh, too soft, and so the role went to Jonathan Frakes instead. He potentially he was a potential Riker. I want to point out this was a
0: a clean shaven Frakes they gave that to. Yeah, Uh, that's that's mental. I. But then, I think he would have done great with the role, but I also think he would
1: have probably sat in chairs normally, so I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: um, yeah, yeah, okay. agree. And, and then we, we have caught in Jonathan Freaks as a sexy pirate smuggler.
0: <laughs> probably clean shaven, because he only grew the beard. Yeah, is it, yeah. Oh, so, uh, that's, a, that's a universe I don't want to live in. No. But, um, so that's the, 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 the plot with Akana, and so we better like, actually explain it, is he's... His ship's broken down, so they pick him up and agree to like repair it. And then two ships turn up and they both want to arrest him. And one saying, "Oh, he stole like the crown jewels," and the other one saying, oh, "We got my daughter pregnant." Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, it works out that he stole the crown jewels at the behest of one of the the people's sons to as his wedding proposal to the pregnant girl because they it's two separate planets. It's a thing, but the more important thing is that. He gets in uh, whilst on board the ship. He bangs like three of the crew, and also uh, tells, uh, explains uh, to Data that he doesn't understand what jokes are. So Data yeah. decides to pursue a career in comedy, which is <laughs> seems like a bad idea. But I've I've seen worse. Uh, yes, yeah. se- <laughs> I've seen worse at open mic nights. There's always one. Yeah,
1: uh- <laughs> um, I quite like the Data comedy stuff. Yeah, I think I think, yeah. it, and and I'm I'm glad that they they finally gave Whoopi something to do, because she's not really. I mean, obviously, it only has been what three episodes of this season, but she's not yeah. had anything to do so far, and it's nice to have her given yeah. counsel. She's still a, like a special guest star, so I don't know if she's like specifically
0: in every episode or if it's a case by case. Does she ever get her. in the main credits? I don't. I don't know. Because um, I think they didn't want to... Because it's that thing of, like, if you put her in, you have to use her yeah. in every episode. And there's a lot of stuff where it doesn't make sense for them to be in the bar. But I like this use of her, Guyton as a character, because normally Guyton ends up just doing what Troy should be doing. Yeah. But Troy should not be wasting her time helping Data Nick, try a career in stand-up comedy. Tatan and 5 <laughs> Yeah. <it's>, that's... <laughs> To, okay. j- yeah,
1: yeah. Can you imagine, t- commander? Try just going, data. Look, at the end of the day, the secret to comedy is word economy, right? <laughs> if you, the few, the fewest words you can say it in, the better. That's yeah. That's like people talk about timing. No,
0: yeah. That's I mean, it, you that's say the that, secret. But 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 the but also, what you could also do is if you're Stuart Lee. Is you can take that advice and go very much
1: (laughs) in the opposite direction. (laughs) Um, Um, When when data went to the when data decides that he's gonna he's gonna give it a try, he he decides to to go and learn from a stand-up comic. He goes to the holodeck to um and he first asks like who, who like holodeck computer who who do you think are the funniest people. Uh, yeah. and, and the first one that she recommends is a a, a comedian from the 23rd century uh, who yeah. exclusively jokes about quantum mechanics, which I'd quite <laughs> like to see. Yeah, I'd but, like to see. It's a bit niche, but if you can make it work. Exactly. Um,
0: <laughs> the word economy and the setups on those jokes is going to have to be incredible. Like you yeah.
1: Because pre- <laughs> the... the One of the, well, talk about niche one of the kind of reasons that this podcast, part of the story of how this podcast came about, which you might not even know about, I don't know if you were involved, but one of the ways that this manifested itself is that back in the day, I mean, like 2018, uh, when we were first hanging out, uh, Josh Weller and I were going to do stand-up as... But as if we were doing it on ten forward so kind of how this <laughs> happened, right? And the idea was, we would both show up in full next gen uniforms, and one of us would would get up on the stage, and the other one would just be in the audience, and all of the jokes <laughs> would be in universe trek jokes. Yeah, um, and, uh, and 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 th- no one would get it except for the other guy, who would just sit there pissing himself. Yeah, and it just, it, just, it was just one of these things. It just unfortunately never came to pass, but that, that kind of influenced <laughs> us a little bit. That's a great idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: what? Okay, okay. One thing I do love about this episode is is one thing I, I I I've made it clear on this podcast, I think, before that my favorite types of jokes are the jokes where you have to have an insane amount of information previously in your head. It's why I love so much the shitting on Seth Green jokes. From uh, Family Guy, <laughs> yeah. um, I like I love them so much. But this is this episode is the setup for a joke that doesn't get paid off until generations. Really, the um, the the line that he's trying to do when Data is trying to do the setup about the the monkey, uh, a, a man in a gorilla costume with Ferengi and a clone walk into a bar. Yeah, when he gets the um, uh, emotion chip installed in generations there's a point in the episode where he in the movie where he just starts to laugh hysterically and like and somebody asks him why he's laughing and he just goes you can stay but the Ferengi in the gorilla suit's got to leave and it's like it, <laughs> and it's it's because he's only just got the punchline to the joke from this episode in a, on an emotional level and I right. was like because as he said it I was like and then I had to like I was like I'm certain that's the that's that's at least one person sat in the room when they were writing that went, Oh, the minute. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> know one, one occasion where Data was told a joke.
1: <laughs> Apparently, Joe Piscopo uh, was giving carte blanche to improvise everything. And I said to Laura so the, the, when he, he's trying to tell Data a joke, he starts with the setup, as you should with all jokes. Um, But then Data, because he obviously learns really fast, he says, computer, faster, fast forward, fast forward, until it gets to the point where Piscopo is moving in quick motion, like if you're doing fast forward on a VCR, and you can't hear or tell what he's saying. And I was like, if I was the director of this episode, I would turn around to Joe and I would say, what is, like, the fucking dirtiest, grossest, (laughs) like, what is your aristocrat's, like what? Yeah. Like just the most depraved and disgusting thing. I want you to do that. We're gonna film it, and we are technically gonna put it on television. But because of the way that frame rates work, no one is ever really going to be able to piece together. It's not gonna be like the backwards episode of Red the yeah, where, where it's um, like Tim <laughs> Key, if you actually play it backwards, he's just saying, "Why are you doing this? Why have you?" <laughs> like it doesn't yeah, matter what, what it I'm saying. S- it,
0: he's calling you a sad loser for watching the episode yeah. backwards and yeah. it's fat. <laughs> it's like um uh, it's like uh, is it Chris Morris who suck a single frame that says uh like the commissioning editor of Channel 4 is a cunt <laughs> 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 into an episode
1: of Brass Eye. <laughs> There's quite a famous one in Father Ted where some someone says fucking Father Ted and no one noticed and it's so <laughs> obvious. Um it's in the 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 Weir sheep episode right okay <laughs> um, no, they, sorry, no sheep, weird. Of, the sheep of the year sheep of um, the year and at the end when they're all kind of when the, the the scandal comes out and they're all kind of going rabba rabba, rabba rabba um Graham Lunahan <laughs> herself uh, said no that's not that, that's not funny I'm not going to misgender that's that's literally what he does right fuck fuck that guy um, <laughs> he uh, he he on the on the overdub goes oh, oh what is it and he gets oh fucking hell or oh fuck that! And, and because he does it in like a slight Irish accent, they all, it got it must have got through loads of editors um, because it played on TV, and you can really hear it. And I think at the time you weren't allowed to say fuck on Channel Four before. Ten? I,
0: yeah, that was because uh, that was that was their thing. Was like they did the the Red Dwarf thing. Was like, oh, if we say smeg, which if you think about it, is objectively much more disgusting yeah. than any other swear word, we'll get away with it because it's not technically a swear word. And then Father Ted's take on that was, well, we could just say feck instead of fuck yeah. every time we want to say fuck, <laughs> and it's fine. Um,
1: um, I was uh, I was listening to uh, someone. I think, do you know who, it was Kurt, Kurt Sutter who is the guy who made Sons of Anarchy and I, I think he yeah. had a lot to do with The Shield um, and he said that in both The Shield and Sons of Anarchy because they were uh, on what were they on, USA or something um, yeah. whatever network they were on didn't allow you to have fuck so any time that someone says cocksucker uh, we ask the actors to read it like they're saying "motherfucker." Okay. Or uh, uh, it's Je- Jesus Mary and Joseph as well. If any if any character ever says Jesus Mary and Joseph, it was written in the script as like "fuck," <laughs> and they had the actors do that inflection on it. But it, it, that's kind of what they were going to say. I, I think so Deadwood might be the same.
0: The um, one of my all time favorites is Firefly, yeah. where all of the swearing is completely real swearing it's just written in Chinese yeah so that you can just get away with saying like son <laughs> of a donkey fucking whore yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no I, I <laughs> oh man it would have, it'd be great if like, somebody could, like find the original footage and slow it down and he's just literally there saying so there I am fist deep in the queen yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think someone's going to be fist deep in the queen what what did if, if if not in the last few weeks, certainly in the upcoming weeks. <laughs> Get that all formaldehyde fucking enema up there, man.
0: She's hanging on. She's third at the moment. If you go look at the longest reigns of any monarch in history on Wikipedia. Oh, really? She's third by like skates like set like the the top is like seventy two and a half years. So I guarantee she's holding on for it. Because the thing about like when you get to the Queen, it's like, whoa! Well, how comes the Queen Mum lives so long? Because like, what would kills an old person is like falling over and pneumonia. And she's in a well-heated flat, and there's security standing around her at all times to make sure she doesn't key. like That's it. <laughs> yeah. If we put a security detail next to every old person, they'd all last ages. <laughs> yeah. But what do you, what do you make of um, Joe Piscopo's list of um, things that are funny? Which is, do you have them to hand? I do. Uh, Tipper O'Neill in a dress, right. briefcase shaped like a fish, and words that end in K. I
1: don't. I don't know about I that, but it,
0: it might have something with the K, the hard consonant.
1: I will. De- cunt and fuck work so well. I will defend the K. Yeah. For the simple reason that there, and I, I actually think we may have discussed it on this podcast before. There is a comedy writing shortcut that's well known in the industry, especially among script writers, that 12 is the funniest number. Yeah. Because it's the highest number with the fewest amount of syllables. So that's why in the Marvel movies, it's always 12% of a plan or 12% yeah. of the lease. It's, it's like the funniest number because it, it, it takes less time to say. Because again, what the economy is literally the, the secret to comedy. Uh,
0: apparently, Amando Yannucci and um, Chris Morris and Steve Coogan have been in an ongoing argument about what numbers are funniest for years now. Where like, um, where Coogan insists that's why Lynn is fifty because he insists that fifty is like two consonants is a funnier whereas Ianucci thinks that you like having numbers that are long strings of numbers yeah whereas Coogan thinks it's short uh, short numbers that are like like that are funny uh, yeah how do you feel like, about
1: it, 37? it's too many syllables because that's the Kevin Smith number is it?
0: Mm. 42 obviously is, is, a, is the is the Hitchhiker's Guide yeah one, which is a more absurdist, and I think like, like Python. If you if you ask the Python what's a funny number, it'd be like forty seven point six four nine eight seven and a third. You know. So,
1: but, According to Ghostbusters, yeah. the funniest number is fifty eight point nine, because that's the atomic weight of cobalt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the thirty seven one's really interesting because I I always really liked thirty seven, but because I was such a huge Kevin Smith fanboy. For a for a long, long time, and I still really love his his kind of his beginning stuff up to Clerks two, which I think is fine. It um, it would always be uh, the number thirty seven would always be in it, and I can't remember if they only ever did this in Clerks, but for some reason it's burned into my brain that whenever anyone says the number thirty seven, if I think they'll get it, I am not just a lunatic who does this to everyone. If they say number thirty, if they go thirty seven, and I go in a row. <laughs> My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks in a <laughs> row. <roll? laughs>
0: that that scene is one of the greatest scenes in the history of when he, 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 he trying not to suck any more dick on the way across the parking lot, yeah. and the guy <laughs> outside goes to follow up. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, I. I, I think that as well. One thing I do want to point out is assuming that the um, Star Trek is in fact the future, not just a TV show. It is a, a factually accurate the future. Um, Data asks for a list of like funny people, mm-hmm. uh, so we can assume that list has a list of everybody that the computer thinks is funny up into the future. And there's a lot of names missing. I didn't see Nish Kumar on there. Uh, <laughs> no, James a. Castor. Uh A lot of people got got like uh, Jim Jeffries. I would have figured. Uh, <laughs> if you were making Bill this now, I think Bill Burr, yeah. yeah. If you were making this now, who who'd you get as the comedian rather than Piscopo? Um
1: g- genuinely, I, I yeah. think Bill Burr would do it.
0: Yeah, Bill Burr'd be
1: good. Um because he we we know he's a good actor and we know he's up for doing sci fi. And we know he's happy to play himself in sci fi. Yeah,
0: Honestly, I, I'd, I'd go
1: I, I think the problem with Bill Burr is that Bill Burr, if he's playing a stand up, can really only play himself. And Yeah. I look, I you can't
0: do Bill Burr's material on Star Trek.
1: No, I'm I imagine that Bill Burr because I've listened to a lot of his podcasts and things. I imagine he's actually quite a chill guy. Um, yeah, I, I think and not to compare myself to Bill Burr, but I think him and I have like quite a similar um outlook on the world and and like kind of temperament and sensibility about things, but yeah, you can't. You can't do that. Can't. See, um, yeah. It's like, because personally, if I was going to
0: pick, like, the funniest, who I think is the funniest person alive today, yeah. again, you can't have Doug Stanhope no. on Star Trek. It's just...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, the, the, James A. Caster can't act. Uh, I, sorry, that was like a suitable sentence. Um, according to the oh. movie Cinderella, James A. Castor can't act. There you go, I've saved <laughs> myself there. Um, um, I so... have not
0: seen James Acaster in enough comedy performances to know whether or not he is a good actor. He's a very good stand-up comedian. Yeah, very very, He's very good. He's one of one of the best working today. But yeah, I'm with you. I uh, uh, here's here's one for you. All right, just okay. Let's change this up. You have to cast a stand up comedian in this role but it has to be someone we actually know personally I mean do you want
1: it to be you is that that what you're No, I I, 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 I want
0: us to to burn some fucking bridges Uh, uh, (laughs) Ashish
1: Um,
0: Ashish yeah Ashish Ashish would be good yeah Uh, Meekin would be good as well Meekin's done a lot of comparing and stuff so he'd be alright you did say you've not said your girlfriend (laughs) Laura Donnelly. yeah 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 Duffy Connors as well just beat the goal well done Duff yeah good job Duff uh, thanks for listening
1: yeah.
0: he doesn't listen no he fucking I'll tell doesn't. him we mentioned him by name in this one uh, then he'll listen
1: <laughs> um, yeah so by the way I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you about this and I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you leave this in here or you can choose to edit it out my levels are going to be all over the place on this episode okay so just watch out for that because I keep see I, I, I don't know why usually the the recording volume stays at one number, but today yeah. it keeps jumping up and down, and it's going into okay. the head quite a lot. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll I'll make a note of that. That's it. My done a clap for a for a cut point.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna keep that in. All right. Fair uh, well, well, I might keep it out. It depends. On, if you're listening to this, then I I edited this whilst lazy.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so back to oh, back to Cliff Seacrest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, I was thinking about this, right? Um, because I, I looked on his IMDb, and he is a quintessential that bloke actor, with the exception of The Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. And he's like the only person in The Rocketeer who didn't go on to have like a really good career. Because the Jennifer bad guy's Conley. Timothy Dalton, and Jennifer Connolly's yeah. in it. And I can't, lie, I think even the guy who plays like the scientist who's working with him. It's, and it's, if, if, if you. How about Hughes is played
1: watched, by. Uh, Lock from Lost.
0: Yeah, if you've yeah. never watched, if you if you've never watched The Rocketeer, but you've seen a Marvel movie, you've seen The Rocketeer.
1: <laughs> yeah, if it you is, if you've seen Captain America: The First Avenger, you've seen The Rocketeer. Yeah, it's, it's the same it's
0: director. Like, it's yeah, and it's also it's like it's very much like the the it's a movie that didn't get a lot of love at the time, but it's like the blueprint now for how you do a superhero movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of these ones where uh, I've I've been subtly mentioning to Laura. I may actually see if she wants to do it tonight uh, about watching Tremors because she claims that we've, uh, she's never seen Tremors. I oh, I'm fairly so sure good. that we've watched it together.
0: R.I.P. No, Fred not, R.
1: Ward. R.I.P. Fred Ward. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh. But Tremors, along with The Rocketeer, I think, are basically perfect films
0: yeah okay the The Rocketeer is the best possible movie you could make from the premise of the Rocketeer yeah the problem is that the premise of the Rocketeer is what if a superhero what's his superpower oh he's got a jetpack and a gun yeah
1: Uh, it's
0: like there needed to be like yeah there needed to be like an extra thing but once you've got the jetpack it's like all all you can really do with a jetpack is like Get to a thing,
1: <laughs> and then once you're there, he just shoots people. Like, it's <laughs> but he he wears like a perfect pulp costume, like an Art Deco style helmet and like a perfect yeah. like leather jacket. And it's, and it's got
0: a perfect in-universe explanation that the big fin on it is like a rudder, yeah, uh, so that he can steer. Yeah, it's. Oh, he's I like lo- he's great. He's yeah. genuinely. It's. I, I was looking into this because I it was like, this character turns up in and I think this was supposed to be so um, are you familiar with the character of Harry Mud from Yeah. TNG? yeah uh, the yeah, original yeah. series so he's in totally like works. two episodes and he's been in some discovery and I think this character might have been intended to be like a Harry Mud, where they were going to like come back to him, yeah. And like, uh, if he'd like been like, oh, like, uh, like, the, like the Pontiac Bandit in *Brooklyn 9 nine where like once an episode season, we get an episode where we check in on him, and he's into more crazy scrapes, and like you eventually stumble across him, as he's like the king of a planet yep. that's like trying to join the Federation, or he's like a high-ranking diplomat, that they're
1: like, what the fuck?
0: But instead, we just got this one episode, and I think that's a real shame. I would have he's really uh, liked to see some more about this guy. He's in
1: lower decks. Is he? yeah and it's it's, uh, it's almost it's a, it's like a bit part. he's a dj <laughs> <laughs>
0: if if you are if you if you if anybody involved in new trek is out there listening uh, i get that you guys want to keep doing your spin offs and stuff and you, 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 you i understand new ideas are hard uh, <laughs> 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 why not just recycle the old stuff a fucking series in which fucking o'connor o'connor is like flying around in his fucking Freighter, and it's like Firefly sort of stuff, but in the Federation,
1: yeah,
0: is a license to print money.
1: Yeah, because I watched uh, the Strange New Worlds pilot.
0: Oh, is it I've not seen it yet. I, quit, I, I actually amazing. quite liked it. Yeah, I, it's yeah. it's
1: as new Trek goes, it's the best. It's it has the potential to. Uh, I do because the thing is like it it's
0: currently the highest rated Star Trek TV show on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah,
1: um, it is so, good, but the thing yeah. is right. I, I and and what I came away from it going what I really liked about that is that it really brought back the optimism. Like it feels really optimistic. The the yeah. first episode is very Star Trek, and no one fucking cries or anything like it's it's just a perfect nice self-contained little episode that made me feel really good um and and it made me feel optimistic about the future which is ultimately what star trek is supposed to do right now the other show that does that is of course the orville and yeah the co- they the sort of trope of the orville being the best modern trek i i, I do subscribe to that for the most part but I think that Strange New World has the chance to rival the Orville. Obviously it won't the the thing about the Orville is it's it's a love letter to TNG where a Strange New World is still trying to find its feet as to what it really is. I my only
0: my only thing I have to say about Strange New Worlds is like so I I I've kept up on Discovery without watching it yeah so I know that Pike has seen his future in a time yep. crystal or some shit um and I know that if the people making Strange New Worlds are going to be tempted to change that yeah and I just want to make it clear you cannot it like well, the fact that he knows that's on the horizon. Is, makes the character so much better and more interesting to me that's
1: part of the episode that's part because he he acknowledges that it's it, excuse me, it's in a bit because he speaks to Spock and uh, they've kind of well I said this right because I, I said to Laura they've really sexied Spock up but they, at the same time well Zachary Quinto Spock was quite a sexy Spock yeah. Uh, and even original flavor Leonard Nimoy was like a big sex symbol. Yeah. So the the new Spock they've 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 appropriately sexied him, um, <laughs> and he has a conversation with Pike, and and they, I won't get into it because it's a bit of a spoiler, but basically Pike says it, it's going to happen in about a decade. So yeah. they have time, and we know that they're bringing in Kirk.
0: Yeah, and so it's like Vulcans. Specifically, like Vulcans, like in Star Trek, like so in the first episode of TNG, um, um, McCoy turns up and he's like supposed to be like 152 because that's how long people live yeah. with future technology. But like naturally, Vulcans are like their natural lifespan is like two, three hundred years. So, right. like, Spock being there makes sense. Spock must have had basically, from Spock's perspective, Kirk is basically a pet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I I think that looks really fucking good. Um, uh, so, okay. right, talking about this episode, um, uh, I want to say, data says laughter is like innately human. But if I was to say to you, name an animal that laughs, hyena. I think hyena comes in at the top. It's like what they're known for
1: at the top. Right, so so you so if you if you went to an open mic night and and the audience <laughs> was comprised audience of entirely hyenas. of hyenas, you'd yeah. you'd be like, well, this is better.
0: Yeah, no, I've got I've got so much material on Pride Rock. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I've got a lot of different uh, stuff about the differences between male and female
1: lions. What's what's uh, <laughs> what's black and white and red all over? A zebra after another animals killed it and then we've scavenged it. Don't you hate it when you just want to eat food
0: and you're not considered part of the circle life for story reasons? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, I just mean like, like if you said to like, if you're on family fortunes and somebody goes, we asked you to name an animal that laughs, I reckon more people would have go oh, hyena because you wouldn't naturally think of yourself straight away. Chimps laugh, and chimps like, hyenas have like a thing that sounds like a laugh, but chimps laugh very specifically. Like if a chimp falls over in front of another chimp, that chimp will laugh. Yeah. No, it's not, I'm not saying it's classic material, I'm saying, like, you show them some. Lo- if you could get another chimp to do like Buster Keaton, Laurel and Hardy stuff, I think the chimps watching it would have a whale of a time. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> where's that bro- branch of
1: evolutionary? What are some other um, animals that laugh at? Right, we'll get chimps, we'll get hyenas, we'll get people. Yeah. Presumably uh, bonobos.
0: Presumably bonobos.
1: If you're a you birds. know if you're a racist, and you don't count a bonobo and a chimp as two different animals.
0: Uh. I've never seen a baboon laugh. I'm, they seem angry. Uh, yeah. The, Tough the monkeys...
1: <laughs>
0: monkeys laugh, I think, don't
1: they? Never seen a fish laugh. But then, would we know? <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> um, I don't
0: know. Um, I'm assuming you could, like, a parrot could be yeah. taught to laugh. But then, is it real? Is If you teach a parrot to laugh when it detects the natural timing of a punchline, I would feel that that was patronising. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't need your trade-automatic response laugh, parrot. I'll go.
1: Um, yeah. I, and also, I, I, what I quite like to the end of this one is that Data goes out and he does a set. Oh, sorry, he, he goes back to Joe Piscopo in the little stand-up section. And yeah. he tries the jokes and they don't work. So he says, uh, try a joke with an audience. So he yeah. asked for an audience program, and this, uh, is
0: data's, by the way, this is Data's first ever gig. Yeah, and he gets a full audience. Nailed no. It. no, no, it no, happen. no, screw that! Sorry, Data, your first ever gig should be in the back room of a pub in front of like eight people.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> the only person who should be watching you should be the MC who's looking at his watch to make sure that he hasn't going to miss the last tube. <laughs> so, the he asks for an audience and he brings and the audience come in and he slowly realises over the set that the audience the the holodeck audience are just going to laugh at everything like he doesn't earn the laughs and so he decides that that's going to be the end to stand up comedy career and uh, obviously uh, the lesson of tonight's episode it's so easy to make audiences laugh that being a stand up comic is ultimately completely unfulfilling would you agree? Would I
0: agree that being a stand-up Kudian is ultimately unfulfilling? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, you're seeking validation to fill a hole inside you that won't, won't be fixed. It might be temporarily. You might think it's a good idea. But eventually, the high will wear off. And you'll realise that thousands and thousands of years of human like evolution and development have led to you what is essentially a dancing monkey just try to keep the masses slightly entertained and also sometimes the audience don't laugh and you'll hate them and then you'll realise that those those people you hate are the same people who laugh at your jokes and then you'll feel bad about yourself
1: and you, and you think to yourself no one goes to a comedy show not looking for a good time so really <laughs> you are the one who has truly fucked up and you'll and the thing is right even if you're on a winning streak you're just gonna the dark days are always gonna come you know, the, like you're never going to get rid of that. That's that's always going to be the place. Like that that dark place is always going to exist inside your mind. And really, the only job that you have, the only coping mechanism you really have, is to figure out how to deal with it when it comes and how to roll with the punches. And that's why I'm really glad um, that a episode of Star Trek specifically about stand up comedy. Um, <laughs> spoken about by two fairly versed stand-up comedians is likely the episode of this show that has the least amount of jokes in it. Because that feels thematically appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, um, well, there is one, one other thing I do want to talk about this episode, which was, you last week raised a very interesting question, which was do you think Picard probably said let's not use the holodeck for a while (laughs) (laughs) yeah data has no ability to recognize patterns and has immediately (laughs) immediately gone back because he's with the way he's speaking to that the holodeck i was like oh he could so easily create a super intelligent sentient comedian which would i imagine just be dimitri martin yeah. um like having a man standing on stage having to dumb down his own intelligence so he could communicate with the people in front of him on any meaningful level <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would love a, one thing I want from this series though I've realized this wish I could have a wish I could have a holographic bringer mark
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be good I uh, just a little observation that I made uh so the two ships that both come to claim Okana uh, yeah. They are at a level of they're at a technological level where they only have lasers which can't penetrate the oh, yeah the the hull the uh, they can't penetrate the navigational shields right so there's there's no point like the the enterprise is in absolutely no danger whatsoever
0: yeah I know I know I know I know so where you're going with this at,
1: at one point <laughs> I, I think is it Worf is like um, yellow alert
0: yeah they've locked on. Which, under the regulations, means we have to go to yellow alert.
1: Yeah. So they go to yellow alert. And Picard, with just like a big grin on his face, is like, yeah, yeah, all right, I guess so. Um, again, doesn't tell anyone about it. So if it, I'm, I'm if, wondering, is, is there someone down in ten forward who uh, hears yellow alert and then immediately replies, "Uh oh, what's the holodeck done now?"
0: <laughs> if, if it's somebody who listens to this. Uh, needs to like knock together a fucking spreadsheet for us of when, because because my I, I, this the, uh, more more baffling than our free, re, regularly reoccurring segment of how, how, this cannot be and is not how the holodeck works. The what constitutes a yellow fucking alert is like they don't yet. Like it, I, I'm gonna throw this out there. If Q arrives on the bridge, that should just be a
1: yellow alert instantly. Yeah. It's not like
0: he's gonna turn up and be like, oh, I forgot my shoes. It's
1: like, it's yeah, because because a yellow light, like an amber light on a traffic light, is supposed oh. to be don't go yet, but just but. be aware that you will be going imminently. Yeah. So as a yellow alert, just don't stop what you're doing. No. But, just, but make sure you. But make sure you're dressed. Yeah. A bit yeah. like it, like when I used to work in game. uh it, 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 if they, it, we used to have two stages of a fire alarm, and the first stage was we had to we had to lock the cabinets that had all of the, the what we called the live games and like oh, the, yeah. the ones yeah. in the
0: boxes. Are you suggesting the people who ran game were more on. concerned with the merchandise than with people's lives? That only <laughs> completely fits with my experience having worked in game. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Did you work in game? Uh, I worked in Go for a, a very long period um, in like the let's see I did the Christmas that the Wii came out I did that uh, Christmas uh, so uh, the best moment of my entire career working retail was that Christmas Eve which was the point where we were told as soon as the shop was closed we could close and we'd be open until like uh, some nights as late as 10 because of the number of people having to get through and we got to like um, 7 and there was one woman in the shop, and she was having a go at us for having ruined her child's Christmas because on Christmas Eve we just didn't have a wee that she could buy. And my manager came over to me and said, "So here's the deal. I'm going to go upstairs right now and turn off the CCTV. And whatever she says you've said, I'm going to say. She, I'm going to say she didn't. I want her out of here so we can go home." Oh, and I got to. Uh, I, I told everybody else like you should go into the back because nobody else needs to be risking getting in trouble for this and I got to like explain to this woman to her face like no I haven't ruined your kids Christmas the fact that you waited until Christmas Eve to come and buy a game that every console that everybody wants it's been, it's been on the news that you can't get this the fact that you don't care enough about your son to have considered getting his Christmas present ready before Christmas Eve is why your son's Christmas has been ruined now if you're not going to get out of this fucking shop in the next five minutes I'm not going to be able to magic up a fucking wee for you now fuck off <laughs> uh, and it was yeah especially after that Christmas it was it was very 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 good we never got a complaint because I think she was like, she realised that we just got nice. No, she made it up. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. I I remembered my manager uh, two days before Christmas Eve had to put up a sign uh, on the like in the front window. No, it wasn't a window. So it was on the desk uh, at the like non-service part, and it was just a, an A4 sheet that just the headline: We availability, um, and underneath it just said: um, Please do not ask our staff about the availabilities of Weas in this store. Because a kick in the teeth may be seen as offensive to some customers.
0: <laughs> it was. If, if, if anybody's ever worked retail, you'll know what kind of hell like a console launch Christmas can be. But I feel it should be mentioned that the the Wii Christmas was it the same year? It was. Was it the same year as the? It was the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 were all out and impossible to get. I think. Uh, or it might be no. It was this Christmas after. The, yes, yes. It was, the, two, X, it was 2006. The, yeah, the Xbox and the PlayStation both came out for the next year, which was also when the Wii ran
1: out again. Uh. No, so the the Xbox came out. The Xbox came out two thousand and six. The PS three came out the year later, and in between came out the Wii.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah it was impossible to get a 360 I, for that Christmas either and then by the next Christmas the Wii ran out again you couldn't get a PS3 and all the Xbox 360s were gone as well it was because everybody who was trying to get a Playstation was like oh I'll get this instead yeah. it's like yeah your kids? did your kids specifically ask for a Playstation yeah they'll be fine with an Xbox Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Won't, that won't cause any problems well you're not going to take any extra batteries a second control pad or memory card yeah fine fine That's, I'm certain it'll be cut fine it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, those were the days man
1: uh-huh. I liked that job. I, could... <laughs> <laughs> I liked alphabetizing the pre-owned games.
0: I liked I liked the, the the managing of the shop, like getting everything in place. I did not enjoy the customers.
1: I enjoyed like coming
0: in and being like, "I would like Mario for the Xbox, please." It doesn't doesn't exist. Yeah. No, no, it does. My 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 son's friend says his dad's got it. He goes, did he did he mention that he had like an uncle
1: who worked at Nintendo? <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking liar. My uh... <laughs> friend. Uh, who I worked with in the shop she once had uh, a grandmother come up to her and say "Uh, my my wee boy or my wee girl wants a a game for this this DS thing have you got nine gay dogs (laughs) 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 she laughed so hard she had to leave she just had to leave that (laughs) conversation
0: um, that's uh, amazing. I, I also and, uh,
1: discovered, I don't know, I mean, this will be of no use to anyone, but I discovered that I had a talent, uh, like a very specific talent, When people came in and they'd be like, when's the wee, and it'd be Christmas, when's the wee fat coming back into stock? And I'd be, April. And it, it turns out April is the date that you could come in and buy a wee and off <laughs> the shelf. And I was, I was able to do this. I never failed at this. And the thing is, people were always like, no, it can't be. Like, when's Mario and Sonic at the Winter Rumpets coming out? And I'd go, I reckon you'll be able to buy that run about mid-March, like, just coming in after the shop. And, and it's every single time I had 100% success rate with it. And it's something I've never been able to brag about to anyone.
0: I once got in, I once got in a lot of trouble because a kid came in to, like, he was clearly, it was very late in the PlayStation 2's life, and he was, like, getting a PlayStation 2. And it was clear that his mum, they didn't have a lot of money. And his like, mum had been like, well, you've got to trade in your, your old games. But they'd waited so long that nothing was of value. And he had a stack of PlayStation 1 games to trade yeah. in. And they were like, it was like, we can give you 50p for these. And I got in a lot of trouble. Because it, as I was going through them, I just took two out put to one side. And I was like, I I won't let you trade these in. I, If you if you desperately need to get rid of these, I'm going to I, I go upstairs now. And I will give you £20. Pounds yeah. For Final Fantasy 7 and Final Fantasy 8 these are not these are not 50p games I cannot in all good conscience and my boss was like oh you could just bought it like for a pound out of the things like yeah but
1: that's not fair to a small child yeah exactly yeah <laughs> oh. I did that once I bought a an HD DVD drive off a guy for a tenner it, <laughs> because it's scanned in at a pound <laughs> yeah. and I went mate I'll give you a tenner for this because we'll sell this for about 20 it's all geared straight up.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Never trade in your stuff, eBay at all. Aye, that thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was that was the uh, the outrageous O'Connor. Do you think as well because they're like humanoid that that was written as like an Irish name
1: and then they changed it to a space name? Again, that's literally something that Laura said. <laughs> she was like, "That guy's name was O'Connor in the script, and they just spaced it up." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good episode though. I oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but yeah. Sorry. Sorry. There's not. There wasn't a lot of Star Trek discussion in this Star Trek podcast episode. But um.
0: But they did it. They did an episode about literally one of me and Mark's shared interests, that yeah. isn't Star Trek. So it's like, it's like we're probably not. If they ever do a fucking Star Trek episode about fucking Dungeons and Dragons, we're probably going to spend most of that episode talking about D and D. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. But yeah. But yeah. anyway, thanks for listening. Cheers.
1: Bye. Uh, bye.
0: The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarko'Neil and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at CaptainSlog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash CaptainSlog.